Three, two, one. Zero. zero. Oh. <laughs> I said record. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do it again just to make sure? Yeah, just... Okay. Sorry. That was my bad. So I feel like saying zero at the three. Yeah. <laughs> just... <laughs> oh, we, yeah. We could do it in Spanish, you know. <laughs> Distro hopping, the idea that Linux is fun and the myriad of ways people put distros together should be reviewed often. My name is Moss. I live in eastern Tennessee. My name is Tony. I live in the northwest of England. And I am Dale. I live in northeast Ohio. Welcome to Distro Hoppers Digest. We love checking distros out, new distros, new versions of older distros, and even some we may have overlooked. We each have our preferences in complexity or desktop or package management. Perhaps we can help you find a new distro or better understand one which has piqued your curiosity. The idea of this podcast is that we will each install a new distro to our chosen hardware for three or four weeks and use it as much as possible, perhaps even as our daily driver. We record all our trials and tribulations, fixes, what we liked and what we didn't. Tony and I prefer to look at distros which would be kind to a new user, especially one who is hoping to move over from another operating system, such as Windows or Mac OS. Well, I tend to take on the more advanced distros and give them a go. We intend to give as much information as possible on each distro, and we will also divulge what hardware we are using and how we think the hardware may have affected the rating. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest, episode 28, recorded on December 8th, 2021. This episode, we're going to do something a little different. With us this month is Joshua Hawk. Hi, Josh. Hey, guys. And we're looking at our favorite distros we reviewed or looked at this year. We're happy to receive suggestions of distros you'd like us to try. Monthly foibles, wherein we discuss what we did this month. Josh, would you like to start us off? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, first off, I want to thank you guys for uh, having me on the podcast at all. It's nice to be able to just come on today because I had the right circumstances come up. <laughs> um, not that they're good ones, but anyway. Uh, so, considering that I'm new, I'm going to start a little bit um, further back than a month because, you know, there's a lot. <laughs> So I got a uh, new laptop in October. I'm pretty sure it was around October I got it. And um, it is an Acer Predator Helios uh, 300. I'm not going to say all the specs. They're in the show notes. <laughs> so, And um, that has Windows 10 on it, but um, I put Linux on it. On a, uh, It had two hard drives in it, so I put Linux on the other hard drive. And uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, it works great. Linux works really good. I... Uh, had no problems with it, um, installing it or getting everything to work. The Wi-Fi worked and everything. I tried uh, Ubuntu, Fedora, Linux Mint, and Manjaro Cinnamon, and Pop! OS. They all had no problems. Um, I mean, they, they're all very good distros for 
getting things up and running pretty easily. Fedora sometimes may be a problem, but anymore, it's been really good. Yeah, and uh, speaking of GNOME, um, I finally decided that it is now my DE of choice. I really have gotten used to it compared to Cinnamon, which is what I usually use. Um, Cinnamon comes very close, but there's just a couple of things that it doesn't do as well in my book as far as what you can do with the extensions on GNOME. Now, I know GNOME extensions are a hack according to the GNOME devs, but I don't care. They work. So, whatever. Now. (laughs) What was that, Moss? I said they work now. (laughs) Next version, you don't know. Well, I mean, okay, so as long as you're not running on Arch or uh, upgrading Fedora immediately as soon as the newest one comes out, I haven't had a problem because Ubuntu tracks so much further behind and Manjaro tracks so much further behind that it's not too much of an issue. But yeah, definitely like an Arch, like a pure Arch-based distro like uh, Endeavor OS. Yeah, you're going to have some problems on that if you update it constantly, <laughs> which in Arch you need to. You can't wait too long. Um, so I usually um, try not to enable too many extensions on GNOME. I try to keep it um, as light as possible. I used to have like 15 or 16 because I was like, oh my gosh, I got to add everything. And then I realized that, you know, not all of them update all the time so yeah that's to your point moss yeah (laughs) if you have a lot of extensions there's way more chance that they're not going to be updated i try to keep it down to like two or three i have two listed in here um yeah i have two listed and um the one that i really like a lot is a custom hot corners extended and I need the hot corners on my desktop because on my laptop, I use the touchpad um, gestures, the new ones that they have. And those work really great for my workflow. And the only way to really get that type of workflow on a desktop is to use the um, hot corners. And I know Cinnamon has hot corners and you can set them up and everything. And that's great for a single monitor. Fine. But for me... I have a dual monitor set up and I like my hot corners on the left side of my middle monitor. So in Cinnamon, when you set up the hot corners and you go up to that corner, it just flies onto your other um, screen. Uh, So, and it never activates the hot corner. And so on GNOME with this um, extension, you can set how far the, the area of effect is. So when you throw your your mouse up there in that corner, it actually stops and it'll activate the hot corner uh, without actually having to go exactly in that little corner area, which is really nice. And um, you can even have it set up that the hot corner is effective all the way across the top of your screen or the bottom of your screen if you really wanted to. Um, There's other extensions you can use that uh, to, to make that work better, but I just do it with the hot corners. It's much easier for me. And the other thing that I can't stand in GNOME is the top bar, that black top bar that's on the top. Yeah, no, uh, that I I need to get rid of that. So I use an extension called um, Hide Top Bar, and uh, that works really well to get rid of the top bar and not leave a little space because what happens in GNOME is a lot of times if you use the default hot corner and you hide the top bar, the hot corner will no longer work. But with the custom hot corners extension, it does work no matter if the um, top bar is hidden or not. 
And the way they get around this is there's another extension that hides the top bar, but it leaves like a one pixel line across the top. And that is annoying to me. So <laughs> I get rid of it altogether. And uh, with this extension, you can also have it uh, hide only when your um, screen is, your uh, windows are full screen. And you can have it come back up when you go to the top of the screen so you can actually see stuff. I usually just disable it all together and just have it come up when I do the uh, window overview. And that seems to work for me. I don't, I, I use that so often that <laughs> I can just do that real quick and I can see the time or notifications or whatever. The last thing I have is the, the touchpad gestures. Now I know I mentioned that already, but I wanted to elaborate into why I don't use cinnamon with them. And that's the fact that you can get them working in cinnamon on Xorg, but the problem with that is, is it takes a lot to get it set up properly the way I, I want it. And also it's not as smooth. Basically when you use the gestures on cinnamon, you just move your fingers on the touchpad and it just happens. And with GNOME, you can just slide your fingers up and down and you can watch the transition happen slowly. That is so nice and it's very much like Mac, how Mac has been for me, a Mac OS. And um, I, I used to like Mac OS a lot until they got up to the newer, newer versions. I mean, they still look nice, but the window management is just, it's hard. <laughs> so yeah, and that's, that's basically why I have switched over to GNOME for the most part. I'm actually on Cinnamon right now on Linux Mint on my desktop. And I just didn't want to distro hop right before the show. <laughs> that's always a bad idea. <laughs> so other than that, um, I've not been gaming as much as I would like to be because of work and school and all that. It's finals week. So yeah, it's kind of been crazy with that. And um, yeah, and that in my classes, I'm deep into Windows Server 2016. And um, yeah, I, I never want to be a Windows system admin. No, it's 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 too crazy. Yeah, it's just no, <laughs> I'll never be one as far as I want to be. If I have to be, I'll do it, but yeah. And um, yeah, the only game I really played in the last two weeks is Stardew Valley, which is a farming slash life simulator. And um, it's actually really good. It's a pixelated game. So it's like like 8-bit graphics or however you want to call that. Um, and it's got a Linux native port or it's actually built in Linux native. So it's it's not even a port and it's it works really well. I like it. And uh, it was cheap on uh, the Steam sale. So I guess that's all for me. Uh, how about you, Moss? The biggest thing going on with me was that we got a new computer for my wife, a Lenovo ThinkPad T560. Dale can remember what fun we had with the T540P, so I decided to get her a newer machine. And a new Lenovo SmartTab M8 for me with help from George Josher from Tech & Coffee. I also got a much better used car for my wife, a 2013 Hyundai Accent hatchback, and I'm planning to replace the Z800 workstation with a new Lenovo Mini. If anyone wants a really good old Z800 workstation, cheap, I probably can't afford, you know, the, the shipping would be hell, but um, if they're local, that's not a problem. Uh, I fooled around with Voyager 11, the Debian-based Voyager. It still feels like I have that old Debian straitjacket on. Can't even get Discord installed. So I installed Pop! OS again, mostly to look forward to the upcoming changes. And for the first time, I'm trying to use my Jellycomb MT50 trackball as a Bluetooth, Bluetooth device rather than using the Wi-Fi dongle. And oh yeah, I had one of those horrible birthday things. I am now officially older than dirt. What's going on with you, Dale? 
Well, a computer I built for a friend about a year or so ago still had my Xeon E1231 version 3 CPU installed. It was previously in my desktop before I upgraded to my current Ryzen 9 3900X. I just put the motherboard memory CPU in a spare case and installed Solus Plasma. I know it was overkill for her needs, but it worked. I had intended to put it in my Plex server, which is a better use for it. It uh, had a i5-4570 CPU. I just didn't know if the motherboard had a reason enough uh, bias to uh, support it. Well, I finally got around to swapping the CPUs. The bias date was new enough to support it, even though the Xeon wasn't listed. I checked their website in the uh, bias errata. But I gave it a try anyways, and it was detected. Booted it up. Didn't hear any beeps. I'm like, okay, I have no video. Why do I not have any video? That's when I realized, oh yeah, the uh, my uh, Xeon that I had didn't have uh, integrated graphics. Um, that kind of uh, slipped my mind. So I had to swap the uh, AMD Radeon 5450 graphics card along with it. can't remember. There were some models that uh, the Xeons had integrated graphics because it um, follows the uh, i7 gra uh, integrated graphics on some of them. So that just required me to swap stuff around again, take the covers off, and yada, yada, yada. Well, another friend who I've known for 35 years texted me while I was away at work. He asked me if I had any computers to use uh, for for him, as he was uh, wanting to do some work from home. I asked if he had any preference, and he said he favored a laptop. So I decided to upgrade my Lenovo T430 with uh, 8 gigs of RAM, up from the 4 that it had. And I installed Linux Mint Cinnamon. I also wanted him to have access to Windows. Due to many suggestions in the Mintcast Telegram group, I used GNOME boxes to install Windows. This was my first experience with it, and I really liked it. So much so that I actually replaced VirtualBox with it on my uh, desktop and laptop. I was surprised at how responsive Windows was on a dual-core third-gen i5 on that uh, Lenovo. I mean, it took, you know, without installing it on bare metal, it acted like it was on bare metal. It was quite uh, quite amazing to me anyway. I've been checking in with him, The uh, I think that was, what, four or five weeks ago now, how he's doing, and he said he's very impressed and found it very easy to use, no more than, uh, than what he remembers from Windows. And uh, he's only asked me for help a couple times, and uh, they were just... Uh, the common things of where, where to find stuff, and etc. So now we have one more Windows user that is converted to Linux. Yay. Each one teach one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you about GNOME boxes as well. I've, I've started using that in preference to VirtualBox just recently because I found it easier to set up. And like you say, it seems to be a lot smoother. Yeah, I did have to go in and do the custom after the install to... Uh, change a, a few things but uh otherwise i mean it didn't really need much 
configuring at all. The sound work, you know, all the other things, you know, the Cortana was spoke long enough for us to uh, disable it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started on that Cortana. <laughs> well, meanwhile, I am still the Luddite of the group, and I have never run anything in the VM yet. <laughs> well, boxes is the thing to try, because it's so super easy to do. Oh, definitely. So what have you been doing, Tony? Okay. Well, you may have heard by now that uh, I've stood down from being a re- regular Mintcast host due to uh, my health and other family stuff going on. Yay. Uh, I had I had been thinking – sorry, go on. I was just thinking that if I get back on the show, I can get back up in the ninth place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had been thinking about stepping back uh, for a while, but Leo got in first, so I, I let the new guys settle in before uh, I uh, decided to uh, step back. So the the last episode I'll be on should be released this week, so uh, part two of uh, the current episode. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm no, no longer a regular Mintcast host, although I've been told I can come back whenever I want. <laughs> I really enjoyed it, actually, the three years that I was on the show. It's Hopefully, it's uh, by stepping back, I'll have a little bit more time to do stuff for Distro Helpers, but we'll see. I know that I really enjoyed my two and a half years on Mintcast and learned more in that time than all the years before that. And I'm looking forward to getting back to it if I can get the time. And I think it'll be after the first of the year for me. Oh, right. Oh, I, I sort of recruited Norbert. <laughs> I'd been talking to him for almost a year. Um, and the main thing, of course, is being in India, talk about your time problems, Tony. Yeah, <laughs> Nissan has got lots of time problems. <laughs> but there has been another couple of people who've put their head up, uh, above the parapet, so we may be hearing some new vo- voices on the show in the next episode. I'm sorry I said Norbert and I did mean Nishant. Already replacing me, I see. <laughs> well, you can join this show now. <laughs> well, like yourself, uh, Josh, I've gone out and bought a new PC. PC Master Race. Yeah. Uh, Moss, you mentioned Juno Computers on the last show. And guess what? I went and had a look. I expect you to give me credit on when you mentioned it on Mintcast and you didn't. <laughs> no, but I was going to give you credit here. <laughs> Yeah, um, I uh, I went and bought their Brutus 5000. There's a link in the show notes to it. But basically, it's got uh, a Ryzen 9 5900, and I've spec'd it out with 32 gig of RAM and a 1 terabyte SSD. It comes with Ubuntu 20.04 installed, but that won't last very long once I get my hands on it. <laughs> I'll be sticking a USB drive in it with Mint Mate uh, install image, and uh, before long, hopefully, Mint Mate 20.2 should be on. I might even have the 20, 20.3 by the time I actually get hold of it, because that's due out towards the end of the month. But we'll see. I'm hoping it arrives uh, Because like Moss, I'm about to have a birthday. So I'm getting a bit older and more crepe. You're still younger than dirt because you're younger than me. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm hoping to get it either before the weekend or just after the weekend so that I can, because it, it's a birthday present to myself. Yeah, that's a really nice looking computer. I was just taking a look at it and uh, yeah. it's really nice for it, like being so compact, like with all that power. That's amazing. Just think of how far we've come in like five years. <laughs> well, I've got it. It, we were having a conversation on Mintcast about new machines, and and uh, Leo had bought himself a um, Lenovo Mini desktop PC with an AMD Ryzen in it, and that had onboard graphics on the chip, and he was really happy with it. So when I saw this one was, uh, you know, it didn't have a separate graphics card, but it was a Ryzen with the uh, the onboard. I thought, well, if it's good enough for Leo. <laughs> he does quite a bit of gaming. Yeah, I think I'm getting something like what Leo has, only with an Intel i7. All right. Cool. You're really going to like, the if you do any VMs, Tony, you're going to love this uh, Ryzen 9 with uh, virtual machines because on my 3900X, I could have a uh, one in a, not quite full screen because I have a 49-inch monitor, so it's like, <laughs> so it's like the, you know, equivalent to a 1080p monitor, 20, you know, 24 inch monitor. And it's as if it's on bare metal. It is yeah. so fast. And I can be, I, I even just for fun, I was, uh, when I got it, I compiled a Linux kernel in a VM. I can't remember if it was Debian or something and was doing something else. And I was, uh, watching my CPUs and it was like 10%, 20%, 30%. I thought, wow. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm going to be interesting uh, to have eight, eight cores and 16 threads. It's going to be very interesting because currently I've got four cores and eight threads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I got 12 and 24 on this one. I can't remember. Yeah. Does it have Thunderbolt? Yes, I think it does have a Thunderbolt port. It's got it's got a um, HDMI and Thunderbolt, I think. Okay, um, well, uh, I was just asking. It, no, not Thunderbolt. Uh, it's the other one. What's the other one? Oh, I can't think the name of oh, it. Oh, DisplayPort? It might be Thunderbolt. I'll have to have a look. But that doesn't ring a bell. Uh, I think it's the very small video port, the little square one. I don't know whether that's Thunderbolt. But yes, it, it does have support for two monitors if I want to. Uh, so that'll be good. Anyway, shall we move on to updates? <laughs> updates where we discuss what we've learned about distros we've already reviewed. As I am at least nominally on the Bodhi team, I have learned that Moksha, the desktop environment for Bodhi, has a new version under development. It should be released for the version 6.1 of Bodhi, with no planned release date yet, and it will probably be the main upgrade for that version. Josh, have any updates in distros you used across your desk lately? Uh, my only update is I have no updates. So, Dale... Well, after perusing the uh, the ones that I've done, um, couldn't find much of any, but it goes without saying there a lot of them are rolling distros, so it pretty much is a moot point because they're always changing. But I did see that GhostBSD has a new ISO. It's a 21.11.24. No real details on it. And I did notice that Zero Linux has a new website, and I have the uh, link in the show notes. It uh, looks pretty good. It uh, showcases the uh, two releases that they have, the main and the core. And the main 
is the eye candy um, configured um, otherwise vanilla arch distro then core is pretty much roll your own that uh, that he has I do believe there are some theming in there but otherwise you have to add anything in there um, apps and stuff and I noticed that the Void Linux uh, website has a festive wreath that is uh, animated. Kind of spins around. I thought that was kind of cool. Anything new with you, Tony? No, I'm like Josh. My only update is I have no updates. <laughs> Shall we move on to Beautiful Failures? Beautiful failures, what we tried and failed to install or run this month. No failures this month. Haven't really tried anything other than Voyager 11, and it works for the most part. Josh? Well, uh, the laptop I mentioned earlier, well, it's in the repair shop right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, luckily, it was under warranty. Uh, the screen was experiencing some uh, severe light bleed around the edges, and um, I, I was like on the fence to even turn it into repair but uh i was looking online and a lot of people had the same issue and um i never had a laptop that or a screen at all that uh did exactly what this one was doing with the light bleeding so i'm like you know i'm just gonna send it in while it's under warranty and they'll uh be able to fix it and um right now it is currently being repaired um it's supposed to be back within five to ten days but i'm not thinking that's going to happen <laughs> it's going to be a little longer than that with the shipping uh time frames being extended nowadays uh so i guess another failure on that laptop um would be that i did install Linux on the hard drive part of it because it has an, an NVMe and a hard drive. I have no idea why they did that, not an SSD, um, but they did. So I tried installing it on there, and even though Windows and Linux were on there and they both ran similarly the same, I could not stand Linux on a hard drive. I just have gotten so used to SSDs that it just, it was just not. Right, I know, first world problem, but but I rage quit Linux on that <laughs> laptop, and that was right before I sent it in, so that's kind of good because I had to wipe it anyway to send it in for repair. Um, and uh, that's about it. How about you, Dale? Yeah, I kind of agree with Josh. When I this is like a year or two ago, I it's been within the time I built my Ryzen nine, but uh, I had a. 7,204 uh, terabyte drive, and I thought, oh, I'll just have my home director on that because I have plenty of space. Yeah, that lasted, like, less than a week. That's even worse to have it split up like that because your OS is so fast and everything you need to access is so slow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think, I didn't realize how much Linux hit the home directory that, yeah, it was just unusable. But what I've been doing is not necessarily a failure, I did start a project to build the source code of PopShell on Cosmic Desktop that System76 uses in PopOS, but using a Debian 11 for a base. I had to track down some dependencies and came across some problems with some missing repos and uh, uh, GitHub. I had a reply in their bug tracker instructing me to edit one of the files that Git uses to know where to files from 
Now that I have some time, I'll have to get that laptop out, edit the file, and see if that fixes my problem. So, do you have anything to uh, report, Tony? No, nothing from me again. Shall we move on to uh, uh, the main subject of uh, this this month's show and talk about Linux? This month, we decided to talk about what our favorite distros and experiences over the past year has been. We did ask our listeners on the Telegram and Discord groups to chip in with some of their own good experiences, and we'll see what happened there. Tony, we'll let you start. Well, for me, uh, if we're talking about my star Linux, it's always got to be Linux Mint. I've got that on my production machine, which is currently running uh, Mint Mate uh, 19.3. Uh, and that's the machine I'm currently recorded on. Uh, th- it's also on three of my Dell laptops, uh, which all have uh, 20.2 running on them. Uh, for some reason, my tower PC, which is this one, doesn't like Mint 20. And after I finally got around to uh, putting it on a, a disk in uh, my IC dock and try, uh, trying to convert over from 19.3, to 20.1 at the time i started experiencing uh, freezes uh, when i was in 20.1 so uh, basically i've reverted back to 19.3 for this it is an old tower it's a third generation i7 and i suspect it's starting to get some hardware issues so hence that's why i decided to purchase the juno pc but on the uh, laptops, uh, which are similar age, maybe a year, year or so younger, Mint 20.2 is working fine, and I've not had any issues on any of those three PCs. You know, I'm hoping that uh, when I get the Juno machine, 20, 20.2 and 20.3 will be fine, and I, uh, you know, that'll banish my issues with those, with the freezes and stuff. I have got another Dell laptop, a little 12-inch E7250, and I've got that set up with a dual boot with uh, Susie Tumbleweed and Windows 10. <coughs> the dreaded W word. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, my HP color printer won't work on Linux, so I have to run that just so I can uh, print out on my color, color laser. But anyway, Tumbleweed's been as steady as a rock on that. Just before the show, I started to update it. It's upgraded, even though it hadn't been switched on for about three or four weeks, it's upgraded without an issue. That's mint for you. Oh no, this isn't mint. This is Tumbleweed. Well, Susan's pretty good in that. Uh, That's been my experience with Tumbleweed. You know, I can leave it for three or four weeks, even longer sometimes. This is not Arch. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute <laughs> I can leave it for a couple of weeks and uh, when I do the updates I think it's because of the way that Tumbleweed sets the updates and basically you're doing a full distro upgrade when you when you do your updates so obviously if you do it the shorter you leave it the less there is to update but it does a full distro upgrade so it's making sure anything that remains the same isn't conflicting with the new stuff. Yeah, that's definitely the reason why it, it doesn't break. I've actually left yeah. Tumbleweed for months and I upgraded it and no problems at all. 
Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I really like it. So if anyone's looking for a really stable rolling distro that they can, you know, if they go on holiday, they don't have to worry about it breaking when they come back after two weeks. Go for Sus- Susie Tumbleweed because it's absolutely fantastic. But going back to what Moss said about Arch, uh, on my little Toshiba Z30, which is in a 12.5-inch uh, laptop, very lightweight, ultrabook, uh, I've got an Endeavor install. And again, I've, I tend to use this occasionally, but I keep it as a very portable machine if I need it, if I'm going out and about and I need something light to carry around with me. And again, whenever I've uh, switched it on to update it, I've never had a problem with it uh, doing updates, uh, which reminds me because it's probably about three or four weeks since I last switched it on and did an upgrade. So I might try it after the show. We'll hear about that next month. You can hear about that in Beautiful Failures next month if everything goes wrong. <laughs> so anyway, so you know, apart from Linux Mint, I would say my two go-to distros for this year have been uh, Tumbleweed and Endeavor. So what about you, Josh? That is a very interesting mix of distros. <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. <laughs> uh but for uh for me, I can't leave the episode without mentioning Fedora. Now, I tried Fedora even five years ago, three years ago, and it was just not there. I just, there was just something about it I just couldn't get over. And the last two updates, 34 and 35, have been just rock solid amazing. And I mean, they they first adopted Pipewire. They were the first to adopt Pipewire, which is crazy to me that it actually worked as well as it did. I mean, I know some people that did have issues with it, but as far as me, I never had any issues with it. I could install it on any laptop, any my desktop, and I had no problems with all the audio work. I could still use all of my Pulse Audio tools, the GUI tools and all that, because Pipewire works with that. Uh, and that was great. And the other thing they did was uh, they switched to ButterFS for default. And that has also been a really good improvement because they have a lot of sane defaults with that. They they customized the ButterFS um, flags and everything. So it's really fast. Like Fedora has has definitely become one of my favorite distros of all time. Uh, they they just have they have a couple of things they need to iron out. And um, I mean, they could they could be my favorite distro of all time. Definitely. If once they iron these things out. But uh, Linux Mint still for for stability and for usability, I think for me personally, it's not what I want anymore. But I think for the mass of people, it is the best distro because it just has everything and it's stable and it does a lot of things right that people want and need to uh, be in a uh, distro. But um, yeah, honorable mentions definitely would be, like I said, Mint. Um, Zorin OS and Farron OS, they are all really good uh, Linux distros, especially for new users. I mean, you can't get much better. And the best thing about them is they all, all three of those have different desktop environments. So I would say if you don't like Mint, try Zorin. If you don't like Zorin, try Farron. You got to like one of them because they're, they're really amazing. (laughs) I mean, you can't, you just can't go wrong with them. Farron does as far as I've seen change a little more than the others over time, um, as far as how it looks and how it acts, but, um, it has stayed consistent the last, uh, couple of releases I've noticed 
which is good. I, I like that, and um, it's very customizable. I reported on that last month. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the the current version is a transitional version, and he's sometimes had those be a little flaky, but the current one is really stable. Yeah. And the first of the year, he's going to come out with a new version that is sort of his destination version. Oh, okay. That's cool. I didn't hear about that, but that'll be that'll be interesting. I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah. And uh, Zorin OS, I mean, that I just, I can't choose between Zorin and Farron as the best looking distro because they look so good, both of them. I mean, it's just amazing how these guys have, have made things look. It's just crazy. Mint doesn't look nearly as good as the other two, but it is definitely rock solid and it has everything. I mean, it has everything you could possibly need to get your job done, whatever, you know, you will be doing. So, um, they still, yeah, they still definitely hold a high spot for the best Linux distro, um, of all time, I would say in my mind. Um, so yeah, phrase of the year for me, by the way, I run Fedora. So Dale, uh, what have uh, you liked this year? Well, I got quite a bit here, more than what I was intending, but it's all, I think, all in good fun here. I tried to break it up here into uh, categories to try to be succinct in my uh, rambling here. My dive into the BSDs was an interesting one. FreeBSD still holds to the roll-your-own when it comes to uh, configuring your... Uh, desktop. I can appreciate that for the people that like to uh, building their OS from the ground up. Reminds me of the uh, early days of Linux before the desktop environments uh, became popular. Because back then you booted to a terminal prompt and it was up to you to install what you wanted on there. GhostBSD was a pleasant experience. It had the Amate desktop. And as long as you stayed in the desktop, the GUI, you had no idea you were using uh, BSD. You could have, you know, easily thought you were running Linux. And that's not to say that the command line is much different. There are some subtle differences between the BSD utilities and the GNU toolkit that uh, RMS created, Richard Stallman. My further exposure into the world of Arch Linux uh, distros has been uh, equally as interesting. Gruda has exploded with spins and popularity to match. While I don't care for their default theme, their visual effects make them stand out from other distros. Their choice of ButterFS is another choice that is in a minority among Linux distros. They also need to be recognized for the number of utilities they have created to make Linux uh, configuration easier. Now, when it comes to eye candy, you can't go without mentioning Zero Linux, though it has a more subtle approach to the way they theme. I find it more appealing compared to Garuda. It is a good distro that is close to Vanilla Arch, but is configured and themed so you can get to work. Storm OS was a very nice surprise. I spent years using Compiz and XFCE. So it was a good walk down memory lane. It was one of the most responsive distros I used all year. That was even with some of the Compez animations enabled. What can I say about Redcore? This would be a good icebreaker into the world of Gentoo. The barrier of entry into Gentoo is steep for most. 
It takes quite a bit of time to get to the point where you have a usable base to build from. Redcore allows the curious person to experience building packages from source and waiting for packages to be recompiled on updates because it uses source to uh, update the packages. Only then will they know if that's something that interests them. Perhaps after they get used to that, they might be interested in trying a Stage 3 Gen 2 install. Gen 2 is a hard one to get into. Savayon has gone the way of all things, and Mochaccino isn't quite ready. And about the only other way to get into it easily, if you can get through all the configuration of the installer, would be Calculate Linux. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad distro. It's just, I wouldn't attempt this unless you have a processor within the past three or four years and some memory, because you're going to compile a lot. <laughs> and it's going to take a lot of time. I mean, when I did that review this uh, past year, I can't remember if I was using my T460 or my T4, the T430 I used to have. But, I mean, 45 minutes to do like one package sometimes. I mean, one time it took like three and a half hours to go through all the updates. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very niche type of uh, distro. Now, OpenSUSE Tumbleweed, I would group with Fedora. If you want to get experience in their ecosystem because you have aspirations of being a administrator, then that would be a great distribution to use as your desktop operating system. You have an up-to-date kernel, recent packages, and you still have the same utilities that you would use in Slee, which is a SUSE Linux Enterprise. It's their server uh, product. If you want more of a, I guess you could call it, Debian stable approach, then Leap would be better fitted to you. Now, Netrunner is a good choice if you want to use Plasma with a Debian base that includes all the firmware that the uh, official Debian ISO doesn't include because they still hold true to their FOSS roots for an open source software. It uses Calamaris and is more straightforward of an installer than the Debian installer, even though. Debian does use Calamaris, I believe, in their live CD. Otherwise, it's pretty much like running Debian. Among the built-from-scratch distros, Void Linux and Solus are my favorites. The stability of their updates is at the level of Debian stable, but rolling at the same time. What I also appreciate about Solus is the out-of-box, ready-to-work desktop. In my opinion, there is nothing needs to be changed appearance-wise. It has been a good distro for a friend of mine. Void strikes a chord with me. It has the old school ability to build your OS from the ground up. That is what appealed to me about Linux in the mid-90s. It reminds me of Debian or Slackware from back then. In some cases, it still does today. The XBPS packet system is very fast and uses common sense commands like Debian's apt. The rolling nature of it will appeal to those wanting current packages but they want a stable distro at the same time. Now, I can't go without mentioning PopOS. It has been a good distro for the past nine months. I started using it when I received my System76 Pangolin, and a month later I installed it on my desktop. As far as NVIDIA support goes, Pop was the most friction-free installation I've ever had with NVIDIA. I've rebooted after the installation. My 1650 worked with no problems. Set my resolution on my monitor and good to go. And the uh, refresh. 
Uh, refresh rate. Pop has survived not being updated up to four weeks at a time, for my desktop anyway. I can see that has renewed my interest in GNOME. I was a big fan of GNOME 2 back in the uh, back in the 90s. And when GNOME 3 came out, I had high hopes for it, but that quickly vanished. Much as the features they took away vanished. And now we are looking forward to the new Pop! OS with the new Cosmic, which is moving away from GNOME altogether. Yes, it's going to be interesting. That and Solus, they're going to the EFL Enlightenment route, and uh, Pop is, uh, or System76, and Jeremy um, leading the development with all Rush uh, development. So it could be very interesting rolling your own. That's a big risk for a for a company with a customer base, but I wish all the best to them. Good luck. I'm curious to see what you come up with. Well, I have saved the best for last. Debbie and I go back about 21 years or so. I have grown to appreciate its slow and stable release cycle. Debian and XFCE was and still is a good combination for reliable and customizable desktop experience. I've always liked the ease of use doing an in-place upgrade. The ability of app to do dependency conflict resolution. This was a welcome change, and in an automated fashion no less. Recently I was looking through the package list in the testing repo. I was surprised to see that they had kernel 5.15 and GNOME 41.1 with Wayland. I think with Debian stability and the use of flat packs is a good choice if you want a rock solid distro. As far as like updates, I bet you can go six months or more and update it with, without any uh, issue because even the uh, kernel doesn't update that often except for security fixes. Instable, anyway. I have been very happy to see what Debian has become. It has created an ecosystem that has spawned development a development that has allowed the creation of Ubuntu and others. Where would Linux be without Debian? So how about you, Moss? The only significant thing I can think of is joining the Bodhi team, at least in name. I've done some work with team communications, but not nearly all I had planned on doing. I still have a couple of hiccups in working in Bodhi, but I've gone from 80% Mint and 15% Bodhi to about 80% Bodhi and 15% Mint. I really love Bodhi. There are still a few things I'm having difficulty with. Scanning is one. I can get it to activate and run the scanner, but I can't get a dialog box to open to save the file. If the guys are right, I probably need to reload Moksha from scratch, but that's not the only problem I'm having with dialog boxes. But when all else fails, I boot to Mint. I am also currently playing with Farron OS, as mentioned last episode. Farron is just about what you would have if you'd worked really hard to theme Plasma right and put it on top of Mint. I have spent some time this year with Open Mandriva. Of all the Mandrake Mandriva derivatives, I have long felt that OM was the best of the batch. There is still something which holds me back from using it extensively, and I've yet to actually define what that is. This year they released version 4.2 and then released a set of steps which will turn the distro from a stable release to a rolling release. I tried doing that on three different machines and only succeeded once, with the failures being epic enough to just need to wipe the drive and install something else, but it was still a fun thing to try. I'm running 4.5 rolling on the Z800, and it went three or four weeks between updates and performed the updates like a champ. 
from our listeners. Norbert wrote, The ones that have been the most reliable for me are Debian and Arch. On my laptop, I've just recently switched to Debian testing full-time because I need the package availability for my studies. On my desktop, I have an NVIDIA card and have been trying various distros to see how they work with that, but ultimately ended back on Arch, where both using the NVIDIA drivers and setting up audio-video recording were the most problem-free for me. The distro that had the best overall year in terms of releases and increasing popularity might be Endeavor, I think. Tony, you want to cover some of these? Yeah, I'll take the next couple. Uh, Josh Thacker, uh, he said, Mint and Debian stable run my world. <laughs> I could agree with that. And then Dylan Berger, Mint will always be the top of the list for me. Cinnamon is my preferred flavor. Outside of that, Manjaro has a, had a banner year and they seem to be increasingly stable. That's on my Pinebook Pro and I love it. I'd also like to shout out for Lubuntu. The switch to LXQT has made it visually very appealing and it's a pleasure to use right now. Downvotes to Elementary OS for making Flatpak the first thing I have to download just to be able to to have a usable base of apps and for perpetual Wi-Fi issues. I honestly don't understand why it gets so much positive coverage. You want to take the next one, uh, Moss? Okay. Donald McCunis. I'm using Debian 11 as a daily driver and testing Void as a possible replacement. Arch, Sousa, Tumbleweed, and OpenBSD are also among my favorites this year. Let's move on to feedback. Hi guys, thank you so much for your show. I have been a regular listener of your podcast since about episode 10. I really appreciate all the hard work and time you devote to testing various Linux distros. I cannot tell you how much I have learned by listening to your shows. Great job to you all. Gee, does that mean he hasn't learned anything? Uh, (laughs) Could you please review any distro that used the latest version of LXQT? They just released version 1.0 of LXQT, and I think it's a desktop that does not get enough attention. Thanks again, and have a happy Thanksgiving and a very Merry Christmas. Lee. Smiley face. Let's move on to new releases. New releases since last episode from November 2nd to December 6th. Fedora 35, Voyager Live 21.10, Raspberry Pi OS 2021-10-30, Red Hat Enterprise Linux 8.5, Open Mamba 2021-1112, Alpine 3.14.3, Alma Linux 8.5, Septor 2021.5, Laka 3.6, Bluestar 5.15.2, Rescatux 0.74, Rocky 8.5, Proxmox 7.1, CentOS 8.5.2111, System Rescue 8.06, Q4OS 4.7, CloudReady 94.3.20, Blue Star, I said Blue Star already. Well, there's another Blue Star, uh, 5.15.4. Alpine, 3.15.0. Endless OS, 4.0.0. Deepin, 20.3. Hunix, 16.0.3.7. Snell, 1.11. Clonezilla, 2.8.0-27. Eurolinux, 8.5. IPFire, 2.27-Core-161. 
Ghost BSD 21.11.24, Newtix 21.10.5, OSMC 2021.11-2, Linux 38.0, NixOS 21.11, KDE Neon 2021-1202, Nitrux 2021-1202, Arch Linux 2021.12.01, CentOS 9, Endeavor OS 21.4, Robo Linux 12.12, FreeSpire 8.0, Open Indiana 2021.10, that's the last of the Solaris clones, CloudReady 94.4.4, Xigma NAS 2.3.0.4, Tails 4.25, and FreeBSD 12.3. Okay, announcements. Our next episode will probably be recorded around January 12th, mostly depending on Dale's schedule. For chatting with us further, you may choose to join the 22 users in our shrinking Telegram group, our 51 members on MeWe, or the 11 users in our growing Discord channel. Where can our listeners find you, Josh? Uh, you can find me anywhere where Linux Chatter resides, at Josh on Tech. Uh, you can also find me on Crowbar Kernel Panic. It's a, a Linux gaming podcast focused on Steam and Proton. Uh, you can also email me at joshontech at pm.me. Oh, and occasionally on Mintcast, although I haven't been on there, on there recently, but I should be having more time to uh, go on there um, after uh, school is over and work is uh, done for the year. Okay, how about you, Dale? Well, I am... Dale underscore CDL and Telegram Matrix and Discord. And really don't know if this number is important, but it's pound sign 9433. My email is dale underscore CDL at pm.me. Tony, what about you? Well, you can obviously get hold of me through the Distro Hoppers Digest email address, distrohopperstylist at gmail.com. Or you can uh, listen to some of my old musings on Hacker Public Radio. I'm host ID338, and I may get round to actually recording a show at some stage now that I'm not on Mintcast. Uh, I'm on Twitter at TonyH1212, and that's about it for the time being. And we can't forget Hacker Public Radio's New Year's Eve show. It's going on for like 28 hours you can go to HPR and find out how to get in. Everyone can get in and participate all they wish. I didn't write the notes, which is why I'm stumbling over it. And you can hear me every week on Full Circle Weekly News. Email me at bardmoss at pm.me. My Telegram, Discord, Twitter, and Mastodon contact info is in the show notes. And you can find me, Dale, and Dylan at itsmoss.com. Before we go... We would like to thank all those who have made this project possible, starting with the Mintcast crew for allowing us to use their Mumble server and Discord group. Archive.org for storing and helping to distribute this program. Audacity, which we use to record and edit the show. Joshua Lowe for work on our logo. All those who work on the teams which are creating, adapting, and maintaining the Linux distros we have reviewed this episode. Mid-Air Machine, creators of the song Streets of Santivo, used as our music under Creative Commons license. Thanks to Linus Torvalds for the kernel, Richard Stolman for the GNU toolkit, 
and all those who have worked hard behind the scenes on free and open source Libre software. We shall be back next month. Thank all of you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>